say to you. So I encourage you to be there. And if you are a guy and you are free, perfect weekend to volunteer and find yourself a wife. Come on now. Hey. Um, apologies for the huskiness in my voice. I've been sick all week, but my voice came back and I'm so excited to share this message with y'all tonight. But some of you may know that Frosty and I were recently in Melbourne. Who's been to Melbourne? A few people. Cool city, right? Amazing city, good coffee, delicious food, and so many laneways that have a number of boutique shops or heaps of graffiti, right? Loved it, really cool. Plus, there's a lot of free trams. Everybody loves a free ride, right? So all throughout the city, you can catch these free trams, and in fact, they call it the free tram zone. Amazing. But the minute you leave the free tram zone, which is the inner city circle, then you have to start paying for your ride. Makes sense, right? So the way you pay for your ride is you just tap on your Mikey card, which is like a hop card, but you have to have one because the Melbourne bus drivers, the tram drivers, they don't take cash. It's all based on a tap-on, tap-off honesty policy. Here's my issue with this, though. Not everybody is honest. Like, not everybody's honest, right? There was one time when Frosty and I crammed onto this tram and it was packed like sardines. Like, everybody was getting on this tram. It was after work and I made sure to wiggle my arm through strangers' hips to tap on my card and pay for my fare. But did anybody else? I was watching. They did not. I'm like, we just all got on here and I know we're leaving the free tram zone. Y'all aren't tapping on. And so I observed even in the moments when it wasn't like sardines, they had plenty of room to tap their card on. And honestly, about 50% of people were getting by on these free rides. They wanted to get by on these free rides. And so I was thinking to myself, thinking to myself, what is the difference between the group of people that have people like Frosty and I that want to pay for our fare, and then there's the group of people that just want to sneak on and pretend like it's all good, right? And I was like, this is the thought that is probably crossing their mind. They're thinking, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. Like, it's just a few bucks that I'm not paying. The tram's going there anyway, and nobody's going to know. But this type of thought is actually pervasive in our culture today. And in fact, I hear comments every single day that enforce these beliefs. And these beliefs become habits. And these habits create a lifestyle of basically trying to pay the lowest cost or nothing at all and expecting the greatest blessing. And so I have a message for you guys that I call, leave it at the door. Leave it at the door. If you have your notes, you got a note when you came in, or if you're taking notes, write that down. But let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, and God, I ask right now you would speak through me to your people. I pray that hearts would be opened, that eyes would be opened tonight, and you would say whatever it is that you want to say. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. amen, amen. Well, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3, and I am reading from the Passion Translation, and I'm starting in verse 1. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all of the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. 
Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds, but now, now it is time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Now when we read scripture, it's really important for us to understand the context in which those words were written so that we can apply that same principle to our lives today. And so for those that don't know, Colossians is actually a letter written by an apostle named Paul who wrote majority of the books in the New Testament. And he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. So the Colossians are the people in that church congregation. And they're considered young believers. That's what they're called, either young in age or young in faith. And this was a church that sprung up through Paul's missionary work. And Paul hears a report of how this church is going. And he hears that they've started to believe some false teaching. And because they're young believers, they're, they're not able to figure out the difference when these false teachers are actually mixing the gospel message with other forms of spiritualism that are actually contrary to the true Christian doctrine. And so Paul realizes he needs to set them straight. And so he writes this letter to them as a pastoral letter, meaning he wants to guide them but with grace and truth. And it wants to address these issues of maturity that he hears about in order to strengthen them. Now this also wasn't a massive church. Colossae used to be a big, populous city, but in fact it had dwindled down comparing to its neighboring cities. So despite this being written to a small group of people in a diminishing city, many would actually argue that the book of Colossians speaks with more relevancy to our culture today than any other book in the New Testament, any other letter in the New Testament. And the reason for that is, is that we are constantly confronted with this increasing wave of human philosophies. Things like secular humanism, the belief that we can have morality without God, or religious syncretism, the fusion of differing religious beliefs and practices. And I love what this biblical scholar said about this when he was talking about Colossians. His name is J. Hampton Keithley III. That sounds fancy. But he said, increasingly, our generation wants to take religion out of the realm of rational discourse and relegate it to the area of personal preferences and opinions. They say if there are a variety of flavors of ice cream, why can't we have a similar variety of religions? But many people in our society have actually started to adapt to these same mindsets that we can create our own version of God based on our preferences. And in fact, instead of changing our lives to be more like God, we are expecting God to change to fit into our preferred lifestyle. But God is not a God of our preferred lifestyle. And if he doesn't fit into this, then we decide, oh, he must not exist. Or he's not worth following because surely if there was a God, that God would be tolerant. Because if anything is not uncritically tolerant in our society today, then they are not accepted. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be tolerant. We should. Tolerance is like patience, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But there are different forms of tolerance. 
There's legal tolerance, which is like freedom of religion, meaning you have the right to choose whatever faith you want and you should not be coerced into believing a specific faith. We should have legal tolerance, that's good. We should also have social tolerance, which is basic human respect, respecting other individuals despite what they believe, even if you drastically disagree. We should have social tolerance. But there's another form of tolerance that I don't really agree with. And this is different from the other two. And it's uncritical tolerance. And this type of tolerance suggests that we have no right to disagree. This type of tolerance includes every point of view except the point of view that doesn't include every point of view. Did you get that? This type of tolerance, I personally think is absurd because it doesn't allow room for discussion in the search for absolute truth. And now we know that the Colossians were facing the threat of false teaching. But it doesn't specifically identify the heresy. And heresy simply means the beliefs that were being taught which are contrary to true Christian doctrine. But what we do know is that they were being taught something that was taking away from the true character and identity of Jesus Christ. And here's what Mr. Keith Lee says about it. He says it better than me. He says, it seems clear that the Colossian heresy was an eclectic blend of Jewish legalism, Greek philosophic speculation, and Oriental mysticism combined together with a Christian flavor or element. In other words, like many of the cults and the eclecticism of today, it wore the mask of Christianity, but it was totally false. It used Christian words and Christian phrases, but with different meanings. Another scholar said it did not deny Christ, but it did dethrone him. It gave Christ a place, but not the supreme place. And these, these worldly views that the Colossians were starting to believe were undermining and distorting the true character and identity of Jesus Christ, but we see this same thing still happening today. In fact, a friend of mine acknowledges Jesus, but she sees him simply as a good teacher. And in fact, she also tells me that she prays to God along with the rest of her tarot card reading friends before they do a reading, see, see, she hasn't denied Christ, but she has absolutely dethroned him. Absolutely dethroned him. Many people will give Jesus a place in their lives, but they're not so sure about the supreme place. They, they want him to be the savior because the idea of forgiveness in heaven sounds awesome, but when it comes to the Lord part of it all, they're not so sure. Because when Jesus is the Lord of your life, it means choosing his ways over your own. It means choosing a godly lifestyle over your preferred lifestyle. It means putting God above yourself, knowing that God is good, that God honors those who honor him, knowing that his plans for your life are actually significantly better and bigger and wilder than the plans that you could ever come up with. But despite people knowing the true character of God, that he is faithful, that he is good, that he is generous and his love is sacrificial, we still find it hard to make sacrifices to become more like Jesus. Let me try and explain this another way. When I first came to New Zealand, I didn't have a car, which is probably a good thing because I had to adjust my mind to the other side of the road. And so I frequently embarked on adventures via the totally reliable Auckland buses. Yeah. yeah. And 
when I'm in a new country, I try and do as the locals do, you know? So I don't have to ask too many questions. You, you figure out what foods they're eating, but also you figure out how they pay for transportation, how much it costs by just watching them. So I watched a few people get on the bus and every single person got up, placed a $2 gold coin in the little tray. The bus driver gave them back 10 cents. And so I was like, sweet. I did the same thing, got up, placed my $2 coin in, got back 10 cents. And I was doing this time and time again for weeks until one time I got up and I placed my $2 gold coin and then he said, where are you headed? I was like, say, say what now? He goes, where are you headed? Like frustrated that I didn't answer the question. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, the city, Simon Street. And he goes, well that's not enough then, like every angry bus driver ever. And I was like, hey, excuse me? What do you mean that's not enough? I've been paying that for weeks and every single time I've gotten to the city and he goes, that amount, looking at my single gold coin, he's like, that amount will get you in one zone, but you are going two zones, so you need to give me 680. And I was like, 680, that is highway robbery, sir. And, and he was like, that's the price. And so reluctantly, I pulled out the rest of my money and I handed it over to him and I sat down in my seat in a huff and I was like, well, this is stupid. And then I realized that I was gonna have to pay that same amount in order to get home. And now did it cross my mind to get by on my $1.90 trick yet again? It did, I wasn't a Christian yet. <laughs> But I still had my morals intact, y'all. And I realized that once I knew the real price, I could no longer go back to, to living on what I thought was good enough. Now that I knew the true cost of my journey, I couldn't expect to pay something less and expect to reach my intended destination. But how often do we do this with God? We wanna give him lip service, meaning we wanna say, God, I love you, I want you to be in control, I want you to be the Lord of my life, but then we live out something completely different and then resent him for not taking us as far as we told him we wanted to go. Too many Christians are living on this cheap form of Christianity where they wanna pay the lowest cost for the greatest encounter. They wanna give the least of them and expect God to give the greatest of him. They wanna give just enough of themselves to reach God, but they're not willing to lay it all down to reach him with integrity. Maybe, maybe you're not fully getting this yet. Let me try and explain this another way. Shermaine, I need your help for a second. Can you be my bus driver? Funny that. <laughs> I'm just gonna get you this seat. Just Tonight you will the, meet uh, the Alan. friendliest bus driver ever. Oh, here we here go. go. Friendliest bus driver ever. Good, good thing I was prepared. Because I really want you guys to get this as I dig my coins out of my stupid girl pocket. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, hey. Where are you headed? Say, say what now? Well, how far would you like me to take you? Oh, um, th this is the Jesus bus, right? Will this bus take me to God? Yeah, yep, this is the right bus, but um, how far did you want to go? Oh, um, how far do I want to go? Like in my relationship with God? Mm. All the way. Hmm. That's not enough. Excuse me? What do you mean that's not enough? I've been paying that for years and it has always been enough. <sighs> yeah, okay. Coming on Sunday, that's not enough. Those few hours that you give to God out of one day of your week, mm, that'll probably get you around the first stage of your relationship with God. 
but you told me you want to go all the way, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wanna experience everything that God has to offer. Uh -huh. Like, I've heard about those gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I want those. And I've heard about God's abundant blessing and provision. I want that. Don't we all? And, and I've heard how God sometimes, is, He uses people like a messenger, like He will give a word to uh, somebody, mm. point out a person, they take the word to that person, and that person's life is changed. That sounds awesome. Mm. So, mm -hmm. how much more do I need to give? Well, God doesn't just want a part of you. He wants all of you. So pretty much whatever you're trying to hold on to, I'd just say surrender it all. Everything? Like surely he doesn't need everything. He's God. He's got plenty. <laughs> you do realize that Jesus gave his whole life for you, right? Like yeah. paid the penalty on the cross for all of your sin, right? Yeah. And you're telling me that all you're willing to give him is an hour on your Sunday? Okay, okay, how about this? I will also serve at church for once a month, one hour. Mm. Okay, okay, and, and I will volunteer at conference for not just one, but um, two sessions. Ooh. Surely that's enough. Uh, uh, uh. I see you're holding on pretty tight over there to that coin labeled, what was that one? Ah, swearing and, and crude jokes. Uh. This isn't a big deal, it's just a few words. Oh. <clears throat> Out of over a million words in the English language, are you telling me it's really gonna be that hard to get rid of maybe five of them? God specifically, <laughs> come on. <clears throat> God specifically asks us to eliminate swearing and filthy language from our speech. Oh, come on. And while you're at it, you should probably work on that bitterness and hatred in your heart, too. Excuse me? I am not bitter. Ooh, was that a bitter tone that I just heard? <laughs> okay, maybe I should work on that. Um, tell me about this one, th this relationship. Mm. I'm hearing ah. different things from different people. Like, mm -hmm. some people are like, girl, it's all good. He is so nice. And then other people are like, girl, you are playing with fire. Mm. Is it honoring God? No, mm. but he totally supports me coming to church. Ah, oh, that's right, for that, for that one hour a week that you're at church, right? Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, mm. But your relationship, is that honoring God? You see, you've gotta ask yourself this with every aspect of your life. Is my language honoring God? Are my career choices honoring God? Are those videos that I'm watching online, are they honoring God? And if they're not, you've gotta be willing to surrender them and also trust that God's got better for you. Okay, okay, I will give you my swearing, and I'll give you that addiction to those online videos, but, but do you really need this relationship because he tells me he loves me? What? God loves you so much more. You know, the, this bus is costing me way too much. And in fact, all of those other buses, they're way cheaper. And they tell me, I can live however I want as long as it makes me happy. Plus, they say they're all going to the same place you are, so I think I will just catch the next bus. They lie. They're not going to the same place that we are. They might tell you that to make you hop onto their bus, but this bus, the Jesus bus, this one's the only one that will get you to God and eternity in heaven. Can you at least negotiate with me then? Like, God is generous, right? So why does he need me to surrender so much? Um, okay, 
If I give you, you know, Sundays and I'm serving and I give up that swearing and that anger and the relationship and the, the addiction. Well, actually, I gave you all of that, so I'm gonna take the addiction back. Um, or I'll give you the addiction in exchange for the boyfriend. Uh. Um, you know what? Fine. You can have it all. Oh. Except control over my career because that is asking for too much. Why are you trying to bargain with God? God can only truly work in the areas of your life that you're fully surrendered to him. You know that, right? It's not about negotiating because you can't give him the least of you and then expect the greatest of him. God can take you so much further than where you wanna go, but that actually starts with you. It starts with you surrendering it at that door. Okay. Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This bus, it's the only way to get to God. This bus is the truth, even if you're not ready to hear it. This bus is that new creation life, but it starts with you surrendering that old life at the door and allowing him to make you brand new. We can't approach God with negotiations and expect a cheap ride and also abundant blessing. God said, pick up your cross and carry it. And he wasn't referring to your cute little dainty necklace. God said, pick up your cross and carry it. And he was referencing the cross that he carried for you. And when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he wrote this letter to remind them about what it means to be a Christian, about what it means to live this life, not just with Jesus as your savior, but as your Lord, as the Lord on the throne of your life in the supreme place, not relegated to some back seat that you consult when you're having a bad day, he wanted to remind them of what it was gonna take. And this letter to the Colossians is a letter to us. It's a letter to our culture today, to the world that we live in today, to the society that confronts us today. We can, we can no longer get by on this cheap form of Christianity. We've gotta recognize not all religions lead to the same God. God is not a God based on your preferences. God is the supreme God, and Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. I love what it says in Luke chapter 17, verse 33. It says, all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. If you try to hold on to it all, you're gonna end up losing it anyway, but if you choose to surrender it, you actually discover true life. And so tonight, I wanna leave you with three big questions, and the band can join me now. And these questions, I don't want you to simply listen to and then ignore. I want you to write these down. There's space on your notes, or write them in your phone, write them in your journal, and I want you to go before God this week with these questions and ask him for his guidance when looking for the answers. And when he gives you an answer by highlighting an area of your life, don't simply ignore it and say, nah, God, we're good enough. Write it down. Understand it because if he's highlighting it, then maybe he's asking you to eliminate it by surrendering it to him. So the first question is this. What false teaching are you tolerating? Mm. 
What false teaching are you tolerating? What human philosophies have you adopted and attempted to blend into your own form of Christianity? What have you believed simply because the world told you to be more tolerant? Now remember, we have legal and social tolerance which is shown through our basic respect, our courtesy and our kindness to every single person no matter what they believe. But uncritical tolerance suggests we have no right to disagree for fear that somebody might get offended. Paul warns us greatly against this, against this false teaching. In Colossians 2, verse three and four, for our spiritual wealth is in him like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and clever words. Second question is what corners are you cutting? What corners are you cutting? What areas of your life are you compromising in simply because everybody else is doing it? What corners are you cutting simply because it's cheaper financially but is actually costing you your integrity? Examples, not paying your full bus fare, illegally streaming movies, swearing, gossiping instead of going directly to the person to sort it out, watching porn and believing it's gonna have no effect on your relationships, illegally downloading software like Photoshop or Lightroom, having sex with your partner before you get married and arguing that you're gonna marry them anyway, so what's the issue? Lying in order to make a business deal happen, plagiarizing your uni assignments. I could go on, all of these things might be easier. They might be cheaper, but it's all cutting corners. Do you, really, do you really think that God wants to bless someone who is building a business or a relationship or a uni degree on faulty foundation? Please keep your integrity in check. Ask God what areas of your life you need to address. And remember this scripture, chapter three, verse 23 and 25, still in Colossians. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For we know that we will receive a reward, an inheritance for the, from the Lord as we serve him, the anointed one. A disciple will be repaid for what he has learned and followed, for God pays no attention to the titles and prestige of men. Final question. What sinful nature have you not yet surrendered? See, when you figure out what false teaching you've been tolerating in the corners you've been cut, cutting, you'll be able to identify that sinful nature that you've still got in your heart that you haven't fully surrendered. But the good news is that God has so much grace for you. And all you gotta do is come before him, earnestly seeking him, asking for his forgiveness, and actually laying it down at his feet and eliminating it from your life. And yes, sometimes you've gotta make that decision every single day, it's not a one-time thing. It's daily choosing to surrender that old life at the door and stepping into that new creation life. And remember this scripture as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Chapter four, verse five and six. Walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. Now I know that this type of message, it can be hard to hear because it not only challenges your heart, it can challenge your mind, it can challenge your attitude and your lifestyle. I know that because I have been there 
And the only reason that I can stand here and speak on this platform today and share this message is because I've had to walk that journey myself. I spent four years at Harvard University, surrounded by people that were from different cultures, different beliefs, different backgrounds, different religions, and because I wasn't sure of what the truth was, I started to adopt all these different human philosophies based on my preferences at the time and my friend groups at the time, and I didn't realize that I was simply tolerating false teaching. I didn't realize that I was consistently being silenced in my search for absolute truth because they say, oh, there's no absolutes, just live your own version of the truth. But because my truth became twisted, so did my morals, and all of a sudden I realized I was compromising in all areas of my life because everyone around me was. And I realized that because there was no firm foundation for an absolute truth, I had no firm basis for my moral compass, and all of a sudden my life was filled with filthy language, illegal shortcuts, poisonous relationships, and toxic habits. Because everyone around me was living the same life. But eventually I came to the realization that I should stop seeking the speculation of man, theories and ideas from men, and actually start seeking revelation from God himself. And I realized that I had to come before him to find out the truth. And I had to surrender that old life at the door. I had to surrender it all, figure out the sinful nature in my life and lay it all down and choose to eliminate it from my life. And he made me new from the inside out. He did open heart surgery and brain surgery and helped fix all of these old mindsets that I had in my life. And he made me brand new. And now some people might ask, well, well do you miss her? Do you, do you miss the old Darcy? Do you miss her? Nah, I don't even recognize her. And God, he's got new life for you too. New life that is so transformative that people will no longer recognize the old you or the old ways that defined you or your old mistakes that have haunted you. They won't recognize it because God's got new life for you. So church, I wanna pray for you. Would you just stand to your feet? And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want this to be a personal moment between you and God. And in just a moment, we're gonna go back into a song of worship. But as we do that, I want you to go before God, the most honest you've ever been the most open you've ever been, the most receptive you've ever been to hearing his plans for your life. And his plans probably mean eliminating some things from your life, eliminating some habits, some lifestyles, some teaching that you've simply tolerated, and you've gotta be willing to lay it down. And so as I pray, please open your heart to God because he wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to minister to you tonight. He wants to give you grace and forgiveness tonight. God, I thank you so much for who you are. You are a God that is in the supreme place. You are our only way. And right now, God, we lay it all at your feet. We know that there's some teaching out there in the world that maybe we've been tolerating. Maybe there's some corners we've been cutting. And we know there's some sinful nature that we haven't yet surrendered, but right now, God, in this moment, for everyone that is about to surrender it to you, God, I pray that you would come in, 
that you would show them your grace, to show them your love, show them your forgiveness, show them everything you've got for them because I know your plans are bigger, better, and wilder than they could ever imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.